Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Colin. Hello, Edwin. I am so glad that you are here today. Me too. I'm really glad to be out here today. I am almost as equally glad, Andrew, that you are here today. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> I'd really like to dive in there. <laughs> Understand your gladness. Or, or not. Maybe we can just jump into Psalm 95. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> My relative levels of gladness. Relative, yeah, what's that about? <laughs> well, we're in Psalm 95 this week. There's a lot of gladness in Psalm 95. That's what I'm really glad about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how it's about you read Psalm 95? Nary on to joy. Nary unto that. Very good. All right. So Psalm 95, I'm reading from the New King James Version today. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Yesterday, our focus was on God holding the world in his hands. Mm -hmm. This is the basis. This is who God is. This is how great and grand and amazing God is. Because he is that, because he has done those things, creation, because he holds the world in his hand, there are things that we should naturally do. Mm-hmm. And that's what this psalm is. Uh, that's where this psalm starts. Here are the things we should do because God is that. Colin, what, what is it that we should be doing because God is all of that? We should be worshiping him. Worshiping. Okay, so tell me about that. In verse 2, he tells us how or what to do. And to me in this verse, it sounds like we're almost, we're almost being invited to, to go praise our God. You know, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And he kind of says that again in verse 1. You know, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Why? Why is that? Because in verse 3, for the Lord is great. Our God is great and the great king above all gods. You said it's almost a kind of invitation. I would say it's not almost a kind of invitation. That's exactly what it is. It is straight up an invitation. There are two invitations in this psalm to worship God, beginning in verse 1. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And then in that second stanza, beginning in verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, Mm -hmm. not just the maker of the world, but he is our maker. Mm -hmm. And something I didn't even think about yesterday, but this to to draw drive home this point that not only does he hold the world in his hand, but us notice that in verse seven, we are the sheep of his hand. Mm -hmm. He is holding us 
in his hand. He he is this creator. He is this maker. And what he deserves then is worship. Mm-hmm. I was kind of uh, musing on the idea of you've got people who are being called to worship, but then you also have the ones doing the inviting, I guess, the psalmist. Yes. And how important that is to invite people to come and worship. Yes. Uh, I think about, you know, among Christians, we talk about ways to try to get the gospel to people and how do we expose people to God and to Christ and, um, you know, all, all the gospel. How, how does that work? And one of the ways that we try to do that as Christians is invite people to come and worship. Why not come with me this Sunday? Come and see how this is and allow people to hear the scripture being taught or sing the songs of praise and all about God. And what a, what a great way to meet God uh, in the assembly of people who love him, who are thankful for him and who are not shy to declare his mighty deeds. More than just an evangelistic technique, this is a, a, a demonstration that we as worshipers of God should see God as so grand and fantastic that how can we avoid but trying to bring everybody else into that ex- that same experience? Mm-hmm. This is the God of the universe. We're going to worship him. Come worship him with us. Yes. Come worship him with us. He deserves worship. I think about this... Uh, Rich, uh, one of our shepherds, Rich Gant, was recently talking to me a little bit as, as we had some lessons about honoring one another and valuing things. And he made a point to me that I thought was fantastic, that when you take a look at God's call to us to worship him, to honor him and to praise him, of course, there are folks out in the world that say, oh, look at your God who's so, so stuck on himself that he has to have all this praise and all this worship. And of course, I said, well, yeah, but the, the issue is not that he needs it. It's that we need to do that. And he really pushed me to think about, but why do we need to do that? And I, he, he drove home the point, and, and I just want to share it with you guys, that the idea is that if, I, if I'm actually going to declare that I value good and decent things, yeah. then what else am I going to do but when I see the most valuable thing but worship it? And or him. And if I refuse to do that, I'm actually saying something about myself. I'm saying, actually, I don't value amazing, awesome, powerful, holy, grand things. And God, I actually demonstrate that I, I, I have no values at all. Well, it's great. It's a tell on our values. There's also, I think, the idea and it's it's true that we become what we worship, mm. if that's what we're focusing upon, if that's what we want to give our energies to, because it's what we value, to, you know, to what you said, it changes our hearts. It changes our, our lives. It does. That's absolutely the, the point of worship, to change us, to make us more like God. Colin, why should I want to be more like God? Because he created us. Okay. What else? Because he, I mean, he's the ultimate. He's the ultimate example of what I mean, we need to be. He's the loving. He's the creator. He sent his son to die for us. Every he had a plan from the very beginning. Yeah, he he really. When we take a look at God through Scripture, we find out he's everything we should really want to be. What would we do but value that, honor that, glorify that? Which of course then is going to direct us to be more and more like Him. Part of why we worship God is tied up in this message about because we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand, that there is a covenant between God and Christians, and it is a covenant of care. I mean, he, he provides for us 
redemption, every spiritual blessing in Christ, plus the day in, day out of our daily bread and the air we breathe and him we live and move and have our being. Mm. And so when I appreciate that he is, of course, creator, which we've talked about pretty good, but sustainer for us every day, I need to praise him and worship him and laud him for that. In John chapter four, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at a well. And they have a great spiritual conversation that finds its way around to a question that really plagued the Samaritans and the Jews. Where was the appropriate place to worship God? And so she asked about that. Is it, is it there in Jerusalem or is it in the mountains of Samaria? Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 4:21. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus highlighted that in that covenant that God had established with his people through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then ratified with Moses, and then again with Joshua, he says, under that covenant, look, the Jews knew what they were doing. Supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Sure. That was the way it was supposed to be. He said, but look, the hour is coming is now here when that's not going to matter. You know, it's interesting. He says, neither in this mountain nor in that one will you worship. He's not actually saying no more worship is going to happen in those mountains. He's saying that it's not going to matter whether it's in this mountain or that mountain. Yeah, it's not about a piece of property. You could do it and you could worship God in either of those mountains or on any mountain or in any valley or while you're riding on a boat in the sea or while you're, you know, swimming down the river, you would be able to worship God if you've climbed up in a tree or if you've gone down into a cave. It won't matter. You can worship God anywhere. Well, it's great news for people who live on the other side of the world from uh, a Mount Zion. Yes. You know, that we are invited to have worship as well. But the thing that ties, I think, to our psalm today is God is seeking these kinds of people. Mm. Well, what kinds of people is God seeking? True worshipers. Worshipers. It's true worshipers. True worshipers. Yeah, not just worshipers who will worship in any way, but worshipers who worship with sincerity, worshipers who worship with submission, worshipers who worship with their entire being, worshipers who aren't just trying to get some rituals correct, but who are actually striving to worship God. One of the things I've learned from this is that the, the word here, unless I'm much mistaken, there's no noun form of this word. I believe this is the proskuneo. There's no noun form, I think, mm-hmm. of this word. It's just a verb. It's an action. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, not an, it's not an action. It's the acting. And one of the things that I've said about this is that this is what makes this so difficult. And that is, is that uh, I can only say I have worshiped when I have worshiped. It's not that I, so like you can sing a song, you can pray a prayer, you can preach a sermon. Those are all things, you know, here's the thing and there's the acting of the thing. But worship, you can't worship a worship. Worship is what's my attitude while I'm doing any of these things, any of the things that God has called me to do. And, and am I in these things that I'm doing? Am I declaring the worth, the value, right. the honor, the glory of God? Because if all I'm doing is, well, here's a song and I'll, I'll make my way through the lyrics. Well, that's not worship. If all I'm doing is, well, it's time to pray, and so I'm going to say some words kind of Godward. Well, that's not worship. What we're looking for and what God is looking for is those who recognize his magnificence 
his greatness, his grandness, and say, God, you're worthy. And let me, let me bow in your presence and cast off the golden crown and come off of my throne and let me lift you up as the one who is worthy of honor and praise and glory. I'm going to do it in this song. I'm going to do it in this prayer. I'm going to do it by remembering your son. Whatever the specific action is that we find in Scripture, it's that, it's that idea of lifting God up as worthy through those things. We can also appreciate a difference in the covenant from when it did matter what mountain you worshiped on. I look at this psalm, and we are being called to sing, aren't we? Shout and make joyful noise, um, bowing down, Mm. kneeling. And when it talks about sacrifice in the Old Testament, that really was often about animals. Mm -hmm. There were other types of sacrifices as well. But when we come to the new covenant in Christ, there is now this idea of spiritual sacrifice, that we're not going to be slaying animals anymore. And I think even in the book of Hebrews, it talks about sacrifices being the fruit of our lips. And so there is uh, more meaning, I guess, attributed to things like singing and making the joyful noise, and those sorts of things that we read about in the Psalms, because these then become the spiritual sacrifices in a new covenant. Do you think that part of that was, so I, I, I go through Genesis, and as you read through Genesis, you find whenever they called on the name of the Lord, they built an altar. It's, it's almost as if what the recognition was is the only way for me to come into God's presence is by this blood. This blood has to atone, yeah. and then I can come into God's presence. And so God established for the nation of Israel, here's the place where you can find atonement. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, before you can truly worship it, you you gotta you gotta come through this blood. You need atonement. But now Jesus has provided that sacrifice. Yes. And I have that atonement. Whether I'm in Jerusalem, I don't have to go kill an animal to have the atonement. Mm-hmm. I don't have to offer a sacrifice to have the pathway into God. Jesus is bringing me to God wherever I am. Amen. And God is looking for those kinds of people to worship Him. So how about we wrap up with a little worship here, Colin? Why don't you lead us in some prayer? Yeah. Our dear heavenly Father. You are awesome. You are our creator. You created the heavens and the earth, Lord. You created us, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. I pray that we worship you in a way that's true in a worthy manner and that we're genuine in our worship. Lord, we're thankful for this time and we're thankful for you and we're thankful for your son. And in your son's holy name, amen. 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 Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.